Welcome to episode 18 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today we'll be covering Tom Brady's pliability training, how many calories you need based on how much you work out, and how to start offering online coaching. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. Right, episode 18. Speaking of Tom Brady, uh, such a depressing day in Boston. <laughs> Still on a high from when the Eagles dominated the Patriots. Oh, uh, so annoying. <laughs> We're a split household if you couldn't figure that out already. <laughs> I think this, this might be one of the only areas in life where we disagree. Yeah, sports. You know, Lauren Lauren was born in Massachusetts. I was born in New York, raised in New Jersey, but uh, have a very strong connection to the Yankees, Knicks, um, as well as the Jets. And yeah. Lauren is the total opposite. Total opposite. Diehard Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Bruins fan. So. Yeah. But life goes on. And, you know, you have to have some things you disagree with. Can't yeah. Speak. <laughs> you yeah. just can't take rings every single season. So, Well, that too. Actually, you know, like from coming from a city where like we do still remember what it felt like to not ever have won a championship. So I, 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 I'm happy for the Eagles. They won their first one. I yeah. remember that feeling well back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> so congrats to the Eagles and all the Eagle fans out there. All right, let's talk about Tom Brady. You want to read the first question? Okay, that's where this whole thing started. Okay, right. So our first question came from Lauren. She's an achiever. And she asked, uh, do you have any insight into Tom Brady's quote-unquote pliability training regimen he talked so much about in his documentary? I've never heard this term, and I'm wondering what he's referring to and how it might help him as an athlete. Yeah, so the pliability thing, um, we haven't ever heard of it either, and that's from... (laughs) 10 years of being in the uh, field. So it's it's kind of a, I think it's kind of an umbrella term that he's sort of put together that sort of covers mobility, flexibility, um, soft tissue quality, as well as just like the neurological state of your body. Um, I think that he is, I think he's doing a good job in terms of putting this sort of stuff to the forefront of what an athlete should be focusing on, which is not just heavy weights and bench pressing and squatting and deadlifting, but also you should take into account what your muscle tissue quality is is as well. And the more flexible and mobile you are, um, to a certain extent, you don't want to be too flexible, um, the more, the better ability you'll have to absorb some of the hits that might come across um, in football or just in life in general. But basically, he is touting pliability, I think, a lot because it's something that isn't necessarily talked about with football. So it is kind of like, a little bit of a marketing thing. If you're training properly, you should be foam rolling like he's touting in the TB12 method. You should be working on your soft tissue quality and how flexible it is and um, things like that in terms of the other side of strength training, which not is just not like, just heavy weights. Yeah, not just seeing how many times you can rep out 225 on the bench press because that's like, that's, right right now, that's kind of like the gold standard of yeah. football training, right? <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's just putting into light that, yeah, you should be able to move freely and without restriction um that's part of it yeah does he lift at all because somebody yesterday i was watching we were watching the game separately jason and i and somebody (laughs) i was watching with said something like oh tom brady when he missed that catch they were like well if he lifted weights he would have cut up to it (laughs) does he lift at all i I mean well having seen just a little bit of his documentary he it doesn't it's interesting he was like his main strength is not his athletic prowess is more of his mental game and his ability to withstand injuries so it seems like the majority of his time is spent on massage work and soft tissue work on his muscles and flexibility and balance and a lot less so on actual strength training and 
sprinting and things like that. Interesting, so, yeah. And it might be also like a, it's a positional thing as well. Like yeah. you can't tell a running back not to strength train. Mm. Like they have to be powerful or you can't tell an alignment not to strength train, right? Like there's certain positions that need power and strength and, or else they, they just wouldn't be able to perform at that level. So yeah. Tom Brady doesn't have to tackle people. He doesn't have to do certain things that require a little bit more strength. So he is focusing on being able to take a hit and like, I think there's something about he. Somebody was talking about how his like proprioception is incredible. That he can like take a hit and know how to turn his body to land in a safe position, yeah. things like that. And I think that that's what he focuses on because he doesn't need some of those other positional um, strengths that some of the other players might need. Yeah, so. I mean, he needs just enough <laughs> mobility, to just dance around in the pocket and then run around a little bit. Um, but that's not his main strength. The coaches aren't going to put him in a position where he's suddenly running the ball a ton. So he just needs to be able to absorb hits and throw the ball a little bit. And so, yeah, that's why pliability is his main focus. And I kind of think it's also a little bit of a marketing thing as well. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, cool. That's a great question, though. It's really it's cool to think about, too, is like that just when athletes put stuff out there like kind of to dig a little bit deeper into why they're putting number one why they're putting it out there and number two if it is just if it just makes sense for them or if it's really something that you should buy into yeah that kind of thing, i so. mean actually speaking of the tv12 method i mean there's so many little nuances to it like like not eating nightshades right that's yeah. a big part of it um, which we think is like a little bit overboard in terms of eliminating just a whole genre of food <laughs> yeah i mean unless you have a sensitivity to nightshades which is yeah can happen but to just eliminate it without really, like, having a medical reason to do it is kind of extreme. It's, it seems excessive. Um, <laughs> but I think... he's a professional athlete who gets paid millions of dollars for his body and his health. And so, like, if he's going to... He's willing to go to extremes mm-hmm. for that because that's his entire livelihood. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, I'm, I don't want to cut peppers out of my diet <laughs> because they're still healthy even though they're nightshades. Like, yeah. there's certain things that are just a little extreme. But, uh, yeah. 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 I mean, t- take it with a grain of salt. It's not like, you know, I'm... I'm pretty good at flag football, but I'm not going to re- release a football book called the JP <laughs> something method, right? So, um, yeah, I think he's really using his brand and wisely, but yeah. um, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Let's move on to the next question. So this one is from Sonia Alana, and she asks, how many calories do you need based on how much you work out? Uh, like I have heard people say that sometimes the problem could be that you're not eating enough. Thanks. Um, yeah, so this is a this is a big question. So I'm going to start, I guess, by just giving some general guidelines that I think I got from Precision Nutrition, although I don't think they even use these guidelines anymore because yeah. I'm pretty sure they don't really... Like, there's so many inaccuracies, basically, with calorie counting in general, um, but I'll go into that in a minute. So first, just kind of a general calculator that they have used is... Um, based on your goal, you can multi- based on your goal and how much you exercise, you can multiply your body weight in pounds by a certain number. So if you're looking to lose weight and you are sedentary, multiply your body weight by 10 to 12. Um, so if let's say you're 150 pounds, oh God, this is where my math, I'm going to do something really stupid probably with math in a minute, but say you're 150 pounds. So multiply that by 10, that's 1500, right? So Mm -hmm. that would be 1500 calories a day if you want to lose weight and you're a sedentary person. Um, and that's up to, it would be 1500 to whatever 150 times 12 is. Yeah. So it gives you a, it gives you a range. Um, if you are looking to 
lose weight and you're moderately active, meaning you work out three to four times a week, you would multiply by 12 to 14. And if you're very active, meaning you work out five to seven times a week, you would multiply by 14 to 16. So those, the calorie counts increase, even if you're looking for weight loss based on your body weight and how active you are. Mm. Um, and then for uh, maintenance, it goes like up by two in each category. And for weight gain, it goes up by another two in each category. Um, so that is like very broad generalization um, because also it depends on what type of workout you're doing. If you're um, going for a walk five times a day, that's very different from intense heavy strength training or high intensity interval training five times a day. So um, it's take five it with a, a week. Uh, sorry, <laughs> five times a day, five times a week. So take take those also with a grain of salt, but um, there are some general guidelines for you. And it is true what she said. A lot of people do cut calories too low. Active people will cut calories too low trying to lose weight really rapidly. Um, so there's a lot of, and we used to see this a lot in magazines, and luckily I feel like it's not out there as much anymore, but like 1,200 calories to lose you know, five pounds in a week or something like that. And when you do something like that, that extreme, when you cut that many calories out, your body does go into a protective mode where it tries to hold on to body fat because it thinks that you're starving. So you do have to stay above a certain number of calories to not make your body go into this protective, like, you know, basically fat-saving mode because it's trying to keep you alive. And when (laughs) you're cutting your calories that low, it's like, oh my God, I'm like, it goes back to just ancient times when you were like hunting for your food and your body has systems in place to keep you alive when you're in a famine. And that's basically what you're doing is giving, putting yourself in a famine and your body's like, okay, I gotcha. I'll hold on to body fat and I'll burn everything else because that stuff's not as important to keep you alive. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Survival is more important than aesthetics. (laughs) Right. So, so those systems are in place. And so that's why she's saying that she's heard that, that people might be uh, not eating enough. So sometimes there are people who are cutting their calories so low that sure, they might lose weight. Like if you cut calories, you're going to lose weight, but it's probably going to be, if you're not active and if you're not eating enough, it's probably going to be a lot of muscle that you're losing and you're probably still going to hold on to a lot of body fat. So it may not look like the type of weight loss that you were necessarily expecting. So that's one tangent. And then another thing I want to just go on really quickly is that Calorie counting is extremely imprecise, and I'll give you two examples of why. So the first one is that the FDA actually permits inaccuracies on food labels of up to 20%. So that basically means that if something is labeled 100 calories, it could actually be 80 or 120. And that's that's insane because when you think about it, like that means in a if you're having 2,000 calories a day, you could really be having what 2,200 or 1,800. I'm really bad at math, but, (laughs) (laughs) but something like that. So you like just food, the FDA alone doesn't even regulate how many calories, um, or the accuracy of the calorie counts on food labels. So that's number one. Number two is that if you're eating whole foods, which is what you want to be doing anyway. So, you know, fruits, vegetables, meat, things like that. It's, they don't come in boxes or labels. So it can be even more challenging to know how many calories are in those foods. Right. And, like I always, what always gets me is like calorie counters that 
you might you enter an apple and it's like small, medium, or large. And you're like, I don't know. Like, are you supposed to measure the circumference of an apple? And it could be like 50 calories difference between a small and a large apple. So there's just so many inaccuracies and it's so hard to really accurately understand how many calories you're getting in. Um, so with that said, we we don't usually recommend to use like calorie counting as your way of going about portion control because that that's what we're really talking about here is portion control and how much you should eat in a day. Um, yeah, um, actually speaking of your 2,000 calorie example, so the discrepancy would be 1,600 calories all the way up to 2,400 calories. Oh, yeah. So if you go based on your that the the multiplication you're talking about in terms of 10 to 12 or 12 to 14 for weight maintenance or for 16 to 18 for weight gain, I mean that's it runs the whole gamut there. So yeah. you you might be you might be in the uh, weight gain mode if you're in the 2,400 calorie region. Or you might be in the weight loss mode if you're in the 1600 region. So um, that's a pretty wildly inaccurate way to go about it. Right. Yeah. Um, as far as um, kind of a more sustainable solution, we think, is to be essentially like kind of like your own science experiment and have, have your meals be very consistent. Um, so for us, we kind of have like a very baseline staple of meals that we eat throughout the week. And basically... If we want to go in a certain direction, like let's say for me I wanted to gain some more weight, I would eat the exact same thing I've been eating, but maybe add a little bit here and there, maybe one day or two days, and just see if that takes me in the right direction. And if it does, then that's great. I'll maintain that little um, adjustment that I've made. But if it doesn't, then I'll add another day of eating a little bit more. So we just make little micro-corrections along the way to get to where we want to go. The issue is when people want the results immediately the next day and they take a drastic swing the other direction um like i like it wouldn't make sense for me to have cake every single night and ice cream every single night if i wanted to gain some weight it would just be overboard so um thinking about your meals and being more of a creature of habit and have a very systemized set of meals so that you can pretty much rationally discover what is causing um weight gain or weight loss and manipulate your diet based on those facts. Yeah. It's easy to keep, like if you can, I usually talk to my nutrition clients about like trying to be consistent at least for a week with the same food items, like have kind of the same thing for breakfast, the same thing for lunch, the same thing for dinner, um, for about a week and just see what happens at the end of that week. And yeah, like Jason said, it's exactly, it's an experiment because every single person, not only is calorie counting inaccurate, but every single person burns calories differently. They absorb calories differently. Like every individual is different in this, in this fashion. So like it, it is so individualized and it has to come from your own self-experimentation. It really can't come from us giving you a number of calories that you're supposed to hit. Um, so do something for a week and then see what happens. Like, did you lose two pounds? Did you gain two pounds? Did you stay exactly the same? And where do you want to go from there? And then the next week, maybe do the same meals, but adjust the, the, the ratios. Like maybe you have a little bit more protein and a little bit less carbs, or maybe you adjust, adjust the amounts. So maybe you just actually give yourself a little smaller portion size for each meal and see how that goes. And just allow yourself to experiment, allow yourself to be okay with not every week going the way that you were hoping for, because it still gives you information. It still tells you something about what you did that week. Like, okay, this is something that didn't work. This is something that did. Mm -hmm. Um, so the more you can think about approach nutrition that way, that way, as opposed to as a science and as a specific, like, you know, very precise 
way of doing things, it actually makes it so much easier in the long run, and it'll give you so much more of an understanding of what you can do in the future to make different changes. Yeah, you just, I mean, you just need that flexibility going through life. You can't, you can't measure your apples all the time. <laughs> like, you can't just, you know, like, social events will pop up, and just things will pop up where you can't bring a food scale and calorie count and enter it into your app, and you'll just go crazy. Yeah. Um, maybe you might be able to do it for a certain period of time, but um, we think that just a longer term, more just moderate approach will uh, lead to a lot better success in the long term and also a lot less mental frustration. Yeah. Cool. So, cool. Hope that helps. Let's go on to question number three, last question of the day. This is from Love Life Fit 4. Uh, she asked, do you guys do online coaching? I want to tap into that market, but don't really know where to start. Any suggestions? I have a website that I haven't posted to in a while, unfortunately, a Facebook and an Instagram page that I try to post content daily. Thanks. This, so this is obviously from a coach. Mm -hmm, from yeah. Someone, yeah. So yeah, this is a great question. Um, and I think the trap that fitness coaches fall under is that they see another coach doing something well, be it online coaching or offering some sort of ebook or a product. And they're like, hey, I can do the same thing too. And they expect the same result. What they're misunderstanding is what that person has done that they're trying to emulate um, on the front end. So if you're trying to sell something, you need to prove that you are an expert in that field and you need to prove that by offering a lot of free education and advice and content. So what I would say is if you're looking to get into online coaching, I would first talk about it on your Facebook page or your Instagram page and just talk about how you program for your clients, how you program for yourself and do it in a way that is not very like insider, whereas people would be like, well, what is she even talking about or what is he even talking about? But make it very easy to understand, user-friendly, so that the end consumer can really relate to what you're talking about. And you need to do that for a while. And just, and just if the engagement gets better, your likes get better, your comments get better, uh, people are asking you questions in your DMs, that's when you know you're going in the right trajectory. Um, I would continue to do that for a while. And then you'll eventually get to a point where people start reaching out to you via DM or in the comment section asking about programming and your rates and things like that. When that happens, you need to offer it at a very low rate because you're just getting into it. Get it at a, at a low rate and now you have some people that will eventually give you testimonials and these are people that you can talk about on your Instagram page being like, hey, I did X, Y, and Z program for this person and they got X, Y, and Z result out of it and here's what I did. And now do that for a few months to a couple years. And then eventually you'll get to a point where you have testimonials. You'll have um, a good base of people following your content because you've been providing such good information. And then you can hit them with some sort of product, some sort of educational resource um, or online coaching. And then they'll be a lot more receptive to it. It's only when people start saying, hey, I do this, pay me money, and then just start spamming people's feeds when people run into that trap. Yeah. Right. That's such a good, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> that was so good. Um, that's exactly the process that we've seen successful people take. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, I mean, I'm thinking of all the people that I know who do, who are doing online coaching well, that's exactly what they've done. They've built up, they've built up trust with the people that they speak to on a daily basis. And those people, they pretty much wait until those people start asking 
for them to they start basically saying like can you coach me yeah Will you do this for me <laughs> um and that's kind of how we started it too we really didn't offer it until recently because we've been getting questions saying like hey do you offer online coaching we would love to do it and so we're kind of in that realm right now where we're just starting to roll it out and um we're, we're loving it it's really fun yeah yeah i mean ours just happened by accident we yeah. were just talking about our programming for our members talking about how we program for our coaches and for ourselves and People just started asking questions. We got to build some rapport with them, and then they eventually became paying clients. Um, but it w- if we had went the other way and just started soliciting people and saying only three more spots left for our online coaching <laughs> program, when people know full well that you have a lot of spots left, <laughs> um, it just becomes this, these like weird tactics and just becomes real shady. So provide as much free content as possible then charge a little bit for your services and then you can start to charge more once you start to establish a good reputation. Yeah. And if you're thinking about online coaching, just rewind and replay Jason's uh, segment there like (laughs) three times because that was really good. (laughs) All right. I think that is everything for today. Wraps up for today. Awesome. So we will catch you guys next time. Yeah. So you want to say if you have any more, (laughs) (laughs) if you have any more questions, please reach out to us podcast at achievefitnessboston.com. Or send us DMs um, with your specific questions. Um, Also, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, We had a few more left last week after we begged you. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think that's about it for now. All right. Until next time. Peace. Love. And and muscles. Muscles.